0: It's the 15th of July, I'm Arthur S. Falls, and you're listening to episode 9 of Beyond Bitcoin. Originally, this was very Bitcoin 2.0 focused, but there is so much going on all over the place that I've dispensed with the idea of a central theme. Nothing you hear on the show is investment advice though, so if you choose to store your ill-gotten gains in something other than your mattress, do so at your own risk. Over the past week, I've had the opportunity to speak with Alex, the developer behind xcpfeeds.info, and also Manfred Carrera, who's working on the peer-to-peer exchange, Bitsquare. Alex is an old acquaintance who helped me out a while back with the BIP32 wallet recovery. He's also just fired up a graphic interface that allows escrowed betting on the outcome of counterparty feeds. This is the first service of its type that I've seen, and it's great to see one more feature of the counterparty protocol being developed upon. BitSquare is a very interesting project, still in development, which aims to disintermediate interpersonal transactions with fiat to bitcoin the first on the table. Manfred is a master of the art of compromise, and it shows in BitSquare's elegant and robust simplicity. This was a long interview, presented here almost in its entirety. The ideas are powerful and mostly new, at least to me, and well worth taking the time to explore. So I've been tinkering with xcpfeeds.info and it's a pretty cool service. You've taken the binary betting capabilities of Counterparty and basically just packaged them into a more user-friendly format is, is the feel that I'm getting.
1: Uh, yeah, originally, uh, originally Counterwallet uh, was implemented and it just had uh, an asset exchange and, uh, uh, I guess the betting functionality has two parts. It has uh, someone that makes broadcasts, uh, it, which is an operator or an oracle who is uh, uh, broadcasting the data, which is going to determine the outcomes of, of the bets that people are making. And there's the component of, of the user making a bet. Uh, so XCPFeeds.info is uh, it does two, two things. It um, it gives a kind of uh, GUI interface for the user to uh, to make a bet. Uh, on, on one of the broadcasts, and it, uh, it pulls broadcasts from, uh, the counterparty protocol and kind of packages them into, uh, also into its interface that, that the user can view, uh, to see what broadcasts, uh, what, what oracles are, um, embedding data. Okay, and does this do
0: all, all available oracles?
1: Uh, well, right now it's, um, it's a custom feed scan that's, just for XCP feeds and because it's uh um, like that there are multiple options you could have for a bet they don't have to be you know um Brazil or Germany wins uh you know the FIFA semifinals uh, right they, they can have multiple options so it's just a question of getting the GUI ready to uh to take any kind of options that people want to put in their bets uh, but in the next week or two, actually, you will be able to make, say, a broadcast with uh, um, JSON-enhanced data uh, from, say, your command line client, and you will see it show up on in, on XCP feeds, and you'll be able to click on, on, the, on the bet screen and uh, have a GUI interface for it.
0: So you can actually do this as opposed to going through a... Uh... As opposed to going down to the tab and uh, and placing a bet there.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean it's not um, it's it's content agnostic, so so you can uh, right now I have uh, sports bets set up just uh, to start with something, uh, but but absolutely you can uh, you can add anything you want. You can do Bitcoin difficulty, the winner of the presidential election, uh, right? Uh, you can do CFDs. Right now, the, the, GUI, the new GUI is just for binary, because it, it was easy to implement, and it's kind of... Uh, it has less parameters, so I think it's easier for people to get started with, with, with a binary bet, uh, because they don't have yeah. to deal with leverage, um, and things like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, so Counterparty does have uh, native support for uh, CFDs, contracts for a difference, and... Um, I do have uh, I do have two uh, two nodes that are or rather one node that's running broadcasts for gold and Bitcoin price which um, I think maybe like one person has bet on for for the history of a f- few months uh, but um, but but I mean I, I think I think we will get there it's just uh...
0: it's really great to see this part of the the protocol being developed on because we've got the asset creation being worked on and we've got people utilizing uh, or you know intending to utilize the dividends side of the counterparty protocol but this uh the betting side of it hasn't really been exploited so much I don't feel and this is the first you're the first person who's come forward with with an offering that that takes advantage of that you're provide uh, you're providing all of these uh all these feeds right now is that is am i understanding that correctly yeah yeah right now
1: i'm doing all the broadcasts as i said because it's uh uh because my my feeds camera's is, is uh tailored to uh to, to like the the two option GUI, and uh, once kind of the GUI has some alternative views, uh, then I can open it up to everyone else. Um, I mean, right now, if you used my exact feeds Hema your, your broadcast would also be visible. Uh, I guess that that is correct. So technically, it is open to everyone, uh, but I haven't uh, you know announced it publicly because I'm trying to uh, make make some progress with the different GUI configurations.
0: But once you've done that you'll be offering the ability for anyone to place a bet using your on your on XCP feeds.
1: yeah, yes, yes. I mean it's 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 only really taking uh the bats out of uh you know out of counterparty D and it's loading their enhanced info. Um and then putting them in into the into this uh, viewable GUI. Uh so right now it's just checking to see that the bets are configured in a certain way, and I happen to be the only one using this uh configuration. Uh but it is it is taking them out of counterparty D in, in real time. Ultimately yeah, so
0: so ultimately people will be able to put their own uh their own bets on here or you know, their own feeds on here and then and then bet on them on them themselves. Uh, ultimately are you um Ultimately, do you anticipate this being the hub or the you know the central kind of touch point for the use of the the betting protocol for things like sports and and the weather and uh, and the Bitcoin v- price versus gold? Is that is that what I'm? Uh, because it seems like this this could be good for just exactly that purpose.
1: Yeah, so it's not. Uh, I mean, I I didn't have in mind to be like the the single feed broadcaster for for every possible subject. I actually I I don't even uh, follow sports all the time. Uh, you know, with every sport that I do that right. Um, uh, but 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 I guess the idea was to do something like uh, uh you know like what blockchain info is kind of doing for Bitcoin where. The information you want to know, um, you know, how many confirmations on your transaction, uh, you know, what were the transactions, that's things you want to know for Bitcoin. So things you want to know for, um, you know, XCP uh, bets on XCP feeds, uh, you know, who's operating feeds, what can you bet on, when, when were the bets placed, how much bet volume has been resolved by this feed operator uh, what fees they're charging, right? I, I kind of wanted to centralize it all into, into one place. Uh, so that's why you would know, you'll notice that there's, there's a wallet in the upper, upper right-hand corner. Uh, it's a bit 32, uh, wallet, which is, uh, a mnemonic wallet. It's using a mnemonic JS dictionary, uh, it's uh, based off Electrum. It's also compatible with your counterwallet login, uh, and it's relatively simple right now. It just does XCP and BTC, uh, and it needs farther testing. Uh, but it's it's kind of also there as a resource where if you're looking at a bet and you wanna you can sign that bet. You make a raw transaction. You can sign it in Bitcoin QT. You can sign it in Armory. You can sign it in counterwallet, or you can sign it using the XCP feeds wallet. Right. So so BIP thirty two wallets uh they generate a seed deterministically uh from a twelve word mnemonic passphrase, which means that your um your master private key and the private keys for all your addresses are generated and stored client side using uh uh Bitcore Bitcore uh the Bitcore JS library, which is uh which BitPay supports. And um the the only thing that Going to the servers, you're querying the server to find out, uh, you know, to get an update regarding your addresses, your pending transactions, and to broadcast your transactions. But the actual transaction signing is being handled client side, so the server never uh, has any kind of access to your private keys or any sensitive data. So way
0: back when, when I first met you on the counterparty forums, uh, I was asking about recovering a uh, one of these wallets. Uh, that I'd lost one of the words for. So I typed it in, it came up 11 words, yeah, only had 11 words, I didn't have the 12th word. And you managed to actually recover that for me, um, which I'm in- incredibly grateful for. I get asked a lot when I mention that, how does that process work? It, could you put it into generally
1: understandable terms, do you think? Uh, so so basically your your passphrase is just, uh, uh, you know, it's, it, it, gets turned into a, a hexadecimal string mm-hmm. uh, which is 32 bytes and that's used to generate uh, uh, that that's used to generate uh, your original master key from which your other uh, private keys are spawned uh, that a, a non syncrement. so if if you have one word that's different you will generate a different hex seed mm-hmm. and this will generate a whole new set of keys you can have a hundred keys, you know however many keys you want in one wallet, but none of them will uh, be the same as in another wallet, and you have to get the the right hex seed and uh, the only way to do that is to have all the uh, all the correct words so I guess the the password recovery um, is just generating that one missing word and trying to fit it in somewhere until you, you get the right passphrase then you generate the wallet and uh, you see if you can get the, <laughs> generate the, the one wallet that had your addresses. It's, uh, 1,626 words, I think, mnemonic.js. So at, uh, 12 words, that's 12 to the, uh, 6, What's 1,626 to the 12. Uh, so that's, that's a fairly large number. If you lose, like, two, three words, you're already talking very, very long recovery times. How long did one take? Um, <laughs> It was a random insertion. I didn't, uh, because you said it was on the 12th, but it actually wasn't. It was, no, it wasn't. ended up being on like the 6th or 7th. I think that took like four, maybe five hours, but that, I mean, that can be done faster. It's just the Python, uh, ECDSA elliptic curve library. It's, it's very slow. Uh, like C++ would, would be able to get you, uh, you know, one word much faster, but, 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 I mean, overall, d- d- don't, don't, don't lose your passphrase words because it's, hard to recover.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're not kidding. Do you have plans beyond just the the binary betting? Uh, and do you have a business plan?
1: Uh, so, so, so there are, there are multiple use cases. Like one is you want to, for example, maybe sell your crop as a futures, uh, and you want to sell it now because you want to be sure that you will have a certain income. And the other use case is, is of course um yeah you can also do do bets as well so you could make perhaps cfd uh, that's dependent on, on on rainfall or a binary bet that's going to reward you if if there's a, if there's a drought that's going to serve as an insurance against drought and uh i think one of the kind of um very very obvious use cases uh which may we may see in the next half year uh maybe in the next year, maybe, probably earlier, is uh, stores and online merchants that are accepting Bitcoin as payment, because a lot of them right now are uh, accepting it, let's say on Coinbase, and they're immediately converting it into dollars, because they're they're worried that if Bitcoin price goes down, they won't be able to recoup, um, they'll have losses on their sales, basically. And what you could do at Counterparty is you can uh, use Counterparty and make a CFD, uh, you know, pegging your, your Bitcoins to the price of the dollar or the euro or gold. And you wouldn't have to turn your Bitcoins uh, into dollars. You could actually hold your Bitcoins and be secure against Bitcoin volatility. So that's two things. It's really getting the word out there so that uh, th- there's liquidity, because if, you know, if you're, say, a merchant and you're receiving payments and you're going to keep them as Bitcoin, but you want to hedge them, you don't want to receive that payment and find out you can't, You can't hedge it against volatility, and then tomorrow Bitcoin falls by fifty dollars per Bitcoin, right? You want to be able to do that uh, right away. Uh, So, so that's kind of the liquidity part. That's just really going to take user base and time. And and the other part is, you know, making a friendlier interface and getting people acquainted with with the technology.
0: That's the challenge with pretty much everything, isn't it? Is just getting that uh, bridging the gap between the user. And the technology especially with all of this functionality right here and it just needs to be presented to the user in a way that they can understand
1: yeah so i mean i've been trying to do that and uh hopefully uh going forward it it won't be just me working on this and we can can do it a lot better
0: what you've got here is fantastic and it's the best i've seen of uh what's the only it's the only um it's the only yeah use, use of this i've seen it all and it's and it, you know it's really easily understood and it works uh from what uh you know from i've been taking a tinkering around with it i didn't didn't make any bets i didn't transfer any uh xcp in but um but i'd like to um so i noticed these i've been watching for the last few days and yeah so so the last one went up when's that that's end date have you been adding more, um, have you been adding more?
1: Uh, well, you will see, uh, uh, Argentina the last... and, and the Netherlands, for, which is, uh, to, today at uh, 8 p.m., uh, UTC it, it, it is up right now. I, I just, uh, I haven't oh, had yeah. a, a lot of yeah. time to, um, to work on adding in more categories and sports and, uh, uh, that th- that 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 will be coming shortly. So th- there will be more options, and uh, that there is a th- there is a list of uh, uh, bets that have been resolved, and you can actually look and see which uh, uh, contracts or matched bets between addresses uh, have been resolved and who's won. And also the wallet has a has a small uh, kind of history list where you can look and you can see which bets are open. Uh, which bets you have uh, resolved and whether you want you won or lost them
0: one thing that i've one thing that i've had on my mind about these about these feeds particularly the binary feeds and is um at least let's run through the scenario an oracle dumps say a million bucks down on argentina winning against the netherlands okay and someone matches that bet and then the of course the netherlands win but the oracle just says oh well, argentina wins uh, I'll take that, that, the, uh, that is
1: of course uh, a possibility right the oracle could also take a betting side and then uh, try to forge his broadcast to uh, make himself the winner no matter the outcome uh, but i don't think that uh, economically this behavior will ever uh, be profitable because i think uh, any kind of liquidity. Uh, where the Oracle would, would, benefit from fraud, like you said, a million dollars. If you're such a popular sports broadcaster, uh, and so many people are betting on your feeds that you have a million dollars on, on your one match, uh, then, you know, whatever even tiny percentage you're taking, say 1%, half a percent, you, know, you will, you will make that money back if you just keep broadcasting correct, valid data and stay, stay, uh, yeah, you know, stay, stay, stay honest. And if you do this dishonest thing once you, you, you know, you, you lose your reputation forever. And another Oracle will come along that, um, that will be valid and honest. And they're, they're, they're just going to make the, it's, the economic incentive I think is, is not there to, um, broadcast invalid data. I think it in the long run, it causes losses. I, I think, um, Bitcoin exchanges, which, Generally have lower a lower fee structure than say um, the operators for bets would because they have so many uh, more, more trades more frequently are also really incentivized incentivized to stay open and that, that the fact that uh, counterparty already provides the protocol I, I think mitigates a lot of the security risks you don't have uh, security risks with, like user passwords and databases or I don't know what Mt. Cox did, but but th- those security risks generally w- would not be there for operators. Uh, of course, they they will want to say have multi-sig um, broadcast key- keys so that uh, you know one person acquiring the key couldn't make a fake broadcast. And I, I think those will be implemented in counterparty in, in the near future. So
0: you're thinking that one day will or the, in the near future we'll see multiple say, multiple oracles holding keys to uh, to a single feed?
1: So, uh, you have, say, your company or oracle that's delivering feeds and maybe a trusted Bitcoin community member or a trusted uh, sports broadcaster or financial markets, depending on what their feed uh, subject matter is, is holding the other key. Uh, that's... And, you know, that they both have to sign another for that uh, data to go into the blockchain.
0: That would really provide credibility to, to a feed if you had the administrative side of it or the technical side of it, and then having it ratified by a public figure. That's kind of, that's a missing piece of the puzzle that I've kind of been trying to wrap my head around.
1: All right. Well, uh, it's good talking to you. Uh, thank you for, for having me for the interview.
0: Cool. All right, I'll, uh, I'll catch you later. So BitSquare essentially aims to answer the question of how to create a fiat to crypto decentralized exchange could you explain how your system differs from
2: uh local bitcoins yeah um with local bitcoins you still have the central company who is doing the order matching and who is uh, uh, when you trade with higher amounts you have to identify so they are collecting the data they uh, so when the government wants the data of all the trades they got it from these companies, so that's the main problem. And of course, when the company fails because they're holding the bitcoins, so when there are uh, attacks uh, that their servers get hacked or something, or when they're a criminal and run away with the bitcoins, that's also a security problem. And <coughs> in my system, there exists no central uh, entity at all, so the transfer <coughs> uh, works in that way that. Uh, you, uh, yeah, It starts in that way that you are publishing an offer. You want to buy uh, some Bitcoin for, say, one Bitcoin for 500 euros or something like that. And you are publishing this offer to a peer-to-peer network. That's a distributed hash table, a messaging network, basically something like BitTorrent at the end. And uh, every other uh, member in the network can read and get this data and get this displayed on his uh, local order book. So when you are publishing this offer, you want to buy Bitcoin. And I'm, uh, my software uh, receives this offer from the distributed hash table. I can accept this offer. And then we are getting the deal directly between us. And there is no uh, no entity between. Uh, and the Bitcoin transfer will go to a two of three uh, multi-sig transaction. Um, so we are both paying in. Uh, our Bitcoin to a, a locked uh, fund, and uh, and at the end uh, you will get you out your Bitcoin from this uh, fund. And also, this fund is uh, only controlled by our, uh, by by us. And the uh, third party is an arbitrator, which will just uh, step in in case of problems. When uh, yeah, when you say. Uh, uh, you have not received the bitcoin or i have not received the money or something like that then we ask the arbitrator for help but uh, the arbitrator has no possibility to steal the bitcoin because he has just one key of the necessary two keys and he need uh, at least one of us to unlock this bitcoins and in the normal case we don't need the arbitrator we are just unlocking ourselves the funds and so there is no party who is holding Our bitcoins and uh, the fiat transfer is also uh, going directly uh, from your side when you want to buy Bitcoin, you are transferring the fiat uh, from your bank account directly to my bank account. There is no uh, intermediate uh, part who is uh, receiving or holding the fiat account and could run away or something like that. And from the privacy point of view (coughs) There is no central entity who is uh, collecting the data of our trade, so when we are uh, getting when we are uh, starting our trade, we will uh, lose our privacy between us, of course, because with the bank account, uh, when you want to transfer me the money, and when I receive the money from you, I will see uh, which bank account num- uh, number you have, and uh, normally it's also the name included and so on. So of course we will leak the privacy between us. But uh, nobody else will uh, know about this trade. So it's uh, limited really to the traders. And the uh, publishing of the offer will be done in a way that uh, you, it's not connected to any uh, real-life entity. It's, you you got the account ID, which is basically a, a, a key pair. as A public key is your account ID. And uh, that's not connected with your name, with your bank account or anything else, so you can publish offers, and every the whole world can see the offers, but they cannot see who is the guy behind this offer. so it's basically a similar model like bitcoin have. Of course, you have to take care uh, that you' are not uh, yeah that you're uh, not leaking this privacy when you publish your your uh, public key on the forum, or so, of course, the whole world can see all your your offers and can derive uh, your trades from that, maybe. But uh, that's like with Bitcoin, when you don't take care how you handle your addresses, you are leaking your uh, anonymity and you, you're getting transparent. So, uh, yeah, that's sort of basic, uh, the basic concept.
0: It's so simple. And at the same time, yeah, I'm I'm surprised that no one's put together something like this yet, you know what I mean? Yeah, uh,
2: at the end there, there are a lot of ideas. So when I started so around February, March, I was first researching in the Bitcoin talk forums and so on, uh, researching about the ideas um, which existed already and so on. And there were a lot of attempts to create something like that. But at the end, uh, I think there are at the moment a few projects, but very few at the end, uh, working on on that. And some are closed, so you, you don't know anything uh, in which direction about any details. <clears throat> um, but when I started, I've seen that there are there are quite a few problems. And one one other problem is some people think a bitcoin exchange need to be like the central bitcoin exchange where you can do high frequency trading or something like that or day trading at least. So where you have a really this order matching when you want to buy 20 bitcoins you get this 20 bitcoin from many other traders um, and the exchange is doing this matching uh, to get the best uh, negotiations with that. That's not uh, possible in this case. It's really like local Bitcoin or like this Bitcoin DE where you just make uh, one trade with one person. When you want to buy five Bitcoins and there are no offers for buy five Bitcoins, uh, there are just offers for one and two Bitcoins, then you have to make two or three uh, trades with two or three different persons. And some people say, yeah, that's not a real exchange. Uh, of course, it's a real exchange because local Bitcoin works pretty good and is pretty ex- uh, successful also. And uh, it's just not uh, suited for this kind of day trading and, and high-frequency trading. So that's one limitation of that model. And some people uh, yeah, are not interested because they're more interested in exchange as a speculation tool, uh, or f- uh, which is uh, primary... Uh, Interesting for speculation, in my opinion, the exchange for me is the uh, the more important part of the exchange is that people really can get in to bitcoin that they uh, yeah the, that they can uh, buy their first bitcoins in an anonymous way and in a in a secure way and that's um, unfortunately missing and yeah the other reason it's it's really not so easy so when I started i were working first on a simpler model, which was based on a two-of-two multisig and more on a game-theoretical concept. But then we discovered a serious blackmail attack, which would have killed at the end the 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 exchange. So I, I yeah, was uh, iterating the concept and with this in discussion with some other um, contributors and. At the end, it turns out that the arbitration system, it was, it was always when you add some protection mechanism, the new protection mechanism opens a lot of new problems and new attack surfaces and so on. So it was not so easy to fix the, the open problems with some, with some new tool because the new tool opens much more uh, problems. And like the reputation system was one of that uh, uh, possible solutions to fix problems, which opens much, much more problems and is really difficult to solve. And as far as I know, there is no really good solution out yet for distributed uh, reputation system. And at the end, it turns out that the arbitration system uh, is the most uh, efficient uh, solution which comes with the less uh, additional problems and then i yeah I, I the original concept converted to the actual concept and uh, i wrote down and tried to analyze all the attack scenarios and basically Basically, we have two different um, form of attackers: so the normal, the criminal, the normal scammer who want to steal money from the other guy, with all kind of tricks, <clears throat> with like blackmail or yeah, if you have a possibility to tr- uh, to steal the money directly or with ba- bank chargebacks, uh, or when you use a stolen bank account or something like that, and then you have the the um, yeah, the the nation state or the NSA or so, uh, who wants to surveil the system because of course a state might not like this idea of a decentralized exchange where they cannot ask for all the data uh, at one point, and that's the much harder um, uh, problems. Um, for me, the the first is the, the the normally criminal. That's the high priority because when you cannot protect the exchange against them, it will die uh, for sure. So that's uh, that's a must-have, absolutely must-have. And the second, with the, the nation state and with the NSA, I will try to get as much protection and privacy and anonymity as possible. But at the end, I think against the NSA, you don't have a chance. I mean, at least... Uh, I don't feel capable to really build a system which is so strong that it can survive attacks and and surveillance uh, attacks from the from a NSA or from a big nation state. I mean that's um, yeah that's a, a gray area. How far we can get in in that aspect? Of course, it's the intention to get as far as possible. But I'm not so naive to think uh, I can build a software which is totally safe against uh, the spionage of the NSA or something like that.
0: You know, the whole the concept that you've you've come up with is really seems highly functional. I'm curious. I don't know what a distributed
2: hashtag. Okay, sorry. Maybe I should explain a little bit a, a few terms because a few terms are maybe known but they're it's a little bit gray how, how they are meant. So, the distribute, mm. uh, distributed hash table is basically a, a decentralized way to store data. <coughs> to store arbitrary data, you can, encry- uh, you can store them encrypted or non encrypted, depends on you, that doesn't matter. And you are just uh, you are creating a hash. Uh, from your data and the hash is the key uh, to store it uh, in a distributed manner. So basically BitTorrent works like that. When you upload a file, the file gets hashed and the hash is the key uh, uh, which is used to find this file. When another is looking up with a tracker or so uh, this file, then um, they are looking up for the hash of the key. They, they don't have any idea what the file is and what's behind the hash. The hash is the the unif- uh, the ident- identifier to find this file. Okay. And uh, there are a lot of interesting uh, <clears throat> solutions out there. Basically, it's it uh, it's a pretty old uh, field. So they started more or less uh, two thousand around two thousand. And of course, BitTorrent is the mo- the most uh, famous one. But there are basically quite a lot of uh, interesting projects. Currently, I'm researching for which technology I will use because. At the moment, I use Tom Peer to Peer, but I'm, yeah, I yeah wanted to research more which other alternatives exist and what's the best solution. And you have a you have a peer to peer network uh, where every every node is storing data, and you you can ask you can look up in the peer to peer network for that data. So I use it basically for the offering for the of storage. So when you create your offer, that's a piece of data, it has a hash and then you publish it to the peer-to-peer network and then uh, at some nodes um, they will store this data. There are always, uh, you can define how many nodes, uh, but there are minimums of four or five different uh, computers in the network uh, which are storing that data. So when one goes offline there are redundancy that other computers still have the data. And then another user will request that data, and in the network they find, um, they will find this data and deliver this data. <clears throat> so that's the basic uh, concept of this distributed hash table. And it does, the combination <clears throat> with Bitcoin is pretty interesting because Bitcoin does not um, work for storing large files, so it's uh, very limited. <clears throat> Uh, from the data storage, what you can store into the blockchain the blockchain is not uh, is not made for storing uh, large chunks of data <clears throat> but it's uh it's made for uh time stamping also for for to have a secure ordering of the data so when uh, yeah like the transactions when you transfer money it it must be uh, secure that. Uh, there is no double spend, that one transaction is uh, is before the other transaction. So that's the property, the main property of the blockchain. It's like a linked list, you have a really, you have an ordering of the data, and the distributed hash table has different uh, properties. It has uh, not that property, that it's uh, some ordering of the data, uh, but you can store uh, arbitrary amount of data, basically, over there, and it's, uh, it's, it has the same basics that it's in a peer-to-peer network, which is uh, resilient against attacks, against shutdowns. So the combination of the both, I think it's pretty interesting and will have a lot of future potentials. And basically there are other projects using the, yeah, both like Twister. It's a, it's a kind of, you probably know it, that's kind of a Twitter on Bitcoin and on, on BitTorrent technology so based on, on these two technology and yeah maybe I should explain some other terms what I used the uh, arbitrator uh, so i use yeah okay <laughs> sorry
0: yeah so no no uh arbitrators I'm really interested in that uh, in, in the arbitration system that you have because that seems like these these external actors, uh, human actors that are required to step in where where the game theory meets you know, meets its limits. Yeah. Uh it's becoming something that we're seeing in a few different projects and I'd like to see yeah, I'd like to see what your what your take on on how a thir- how a human agent uh could participate in in a distributed system like this.
2: Yeah, that's a very good point. Uh, Maybe I explain uh, first. You have read already about the arbitration system. For you, you it's clear, but maybe for other listeners... uh, I need to explain exactly what what I mean with arbitrator because before I was using the term escrow and then I have seen in the discussions with others that there were uh, different conceptions of what means escrow arbitrators. So an arbitrator means uh, he resolves a dispute. So when he's the third party in between a, a trade and he does not hold any funds. He has no control about the money, or so. He does not receive any money, <coughs> beside the fees. But that's another part. Uh, and he he only acts when there is a dispute, uh, when there is a problem, and they ask the arbitrator to help to solve the problem. And then the arbitrator has then the power to give the money to one or the other peer, what he thinks is the the honest one. <coughs> And yeah, the other arbitrator system Also I, I of course I wanted or I needed uh, to keep everything really decentralized uh, <clears throat> without any single point of failures uh, you have to uh, to avoid any any human interaction which introduces a single point of failure so when I would have just one arbitrator well like in a company like in local bitcoin, the local bitcoin is the arbitrator when the two traders have a problems they ask the customer service to help there but of course <clears throat> then a, a, somebody a government can shut down this single entity and everything is uh, has um, um, it's uh, introduce a problem so i i try to or i'm I'm, inten- I'm intending to create the arbitration system itself as a peer to peer system so everybody every user can become an arbitrator <coughs> and the arbitrator <clears throat> Uh, they, uh, so they have a different trust level. A normal, when, you, when you're a normal user with the exchange, you also have to pay a registration fee and you have to, uh, to set up your account with a bank account. So that's all intended to make your account, uh, to give your account a value that you cannot create 100 different accounts and try to cheat the other users and to make some, some scams. So when you're a scammer and when you're misbehaving, you will lose your account. And when the account has some value, uh, it's limited. That you, it doesn't make sense when you need 100 accounts to have one successful scam. It's too costly to do the, the scam. And with the arbitrators, of course, they they have much more power. They are a very uh, central uh, concept in the or protection mechanism in the in the concept. So we have to take care that the arbitrator really behave fair and they're not colluding with one trader. Because when we uh, both are doing the trade and you transfer the money to me and then I say, no, I never received the money and and I know one arbitrator who is a friend of mine and then say, hey, come on, let's make a deal and you make a payout transaction with me to (laughs) give me back my Bitcoin and that we cheat you. Of course, that would be a big problem. So the basic uh, concept to prevent this is that the arbitrators need to pay a pretty high collateral. And that's maybe another term (laughs) that I have to define first. Collateral is like a deposit uh, the money what you pay in. And in case of the arbitrators, I call it deposit there because uh, in in the case of the arbitrators, they get it back afterwards when they are leaving. So when you become an arbitrator, you have to pay something like 10 bitcoins that's uh, locked in the arbitration system and you can work as arbitrator and can earn money with with the arbitration fees. And after a few months, when you're leaving the arbitration fee and everything were fine, then you get back your 10 bitcoins. So that's uh, a security to prevent uh, collusion because in the case when uh, an arbitrator is colluding or doing uh, his work really bad, then the other trader who is then... uh, Insatisfied with arbitration, can ask the arbitration system for a second arbitration round, and then a second arbitrator will uh, check out the case. And when he find out that the other arbitrator was was uh, colluding or was uh, misbehaving, then this arbitrator get kicked out of the arbitration pool, and he will lose his uh, deposit. And that's much more money what he can earn because the trade uh, volume will be limited also and it would be maybe something like 1 or 2 Bitcoin and the arbitrator has to pay something like 10 times more the trade volumes as deposit what he um, what uh, he can um, like like the trades what he can uh, make the dispute so when he has paid 10 Bitcoins he only can take trades can be used as arbitrator for trades with maximum one bitcoin. So, the, I see. So that's a he can only at the end win normally the half of the trading volume because when I do a collusion with the arbitrator, we share probably the winnings, and he wins zero five bitcoin and lose ten bitcoin. So that's a pretty bad uh, business. Yeah, it's yeah, you're not
0: kidding. But I wonder, do you think that that might be uh, might be a prohibitive barrier to entry for an arbitrator. Yeah, at
2: the beginning, of course, the bootstrapping will be a little bit difficult. Then, like with all peer-to-peer systems, also with Bitcoins, the, for bootstrapping, you need some central points. And the central points need to fade out after a while. So at the beginning, uh, probably I or some other developers or some contributors of the projects who are trustful will start as arbitrators because when you become an arbitrator, you need already other arbitrators where you pay in your, collator, uh, your deposit into a multi sig uh, fund. So the other arbitrators need to sign uh, when you are leaving and to get back. And in the beginning, when there are no arbitrators, you mm-hmm. cannot pay in. So the first three, four arbitrators need to be really high trust persons who the community can trust. And of course, like I'm as, a de- as the developer behind the project. The people who will use the exchange, they will trust me because, of course, they can read the code and so on, but uh, most people will not read or understand the code. So most people will just trust uh, the issue of the software. And when this guy is also the arbitrator, he deserves some trust at the end because otherwise you would not use the platform. But, of course, uh, it's intended uh, to... That's just the initial uh, starting point. And when the exchange is running and when there is a lot of uh, trade going on, uh, being an arbitrator can be a pretty good job. I mean, the fees, uh, I have just some very basic ideas about the fees. I would like to have a system where the fees um, are adjusted in a a market um, way. So like that, it could be something like, It's intended to have for one language something like minimum 20 arbitrators and maximum 100 arbitrators. Because when there are too much arbitrators, the arbitrators will not earn much money anymore. And when there are too less, there are too many risks. So there will be a kind of a range of the optimum amount of arbitrators. And the fees could adjust with this situation when at the beginning we have just five arbitrators. It's very hard that the new arbitrator start because there's not much trade going on and he has to put in a lot of collate, uh, deposit. So this, uh, the amount of the deposit and so on and the fee what he as uh, the amount of deposit might be lower and the fee what he earn might be higher. And then later when the, there are already 50 arbitrators and it's already a really good business for everybody, the fees might go down. And the uh, deposit might go up to strengthen the security and so on. So that would be the optimal solution. I'm not sure if uh, if it's getting too complex or so, but um, we'll see how far we get with this. And um, yeah, basically, <coughs> when also the the fee concept is that that they always. Uh, Receive a very tiny fee, something like the the Bitcoin transaction fee, something like a few cents or maximum one euro or something. Uh, what when they are passive arbitrators? So when they don't have any work, they're just giving their service in case of a dispute. But there there was successful trade, so they did not have to do anything. But of course, um, they have to be they have their business hours. They have to be available and so on. So they have to earn money also for this case. And when there is an active arbitration case, then uh, they will get pretty good money. That will be something like 10% of the trading volume. So when we trade one Bitcoin, it will be 0, 0,1 Bitcoin. <coughs> and um, and that's just uh, paid in the case of, of active arbitration. So when you really have to work and to find out who is the honest, who is the dishonest guy. And here maybe we who pays who who pays the uh who pays the the arbitration for... uh, the the in uh, the, the, uh, the dishonest uh, trader so when we both have a trade and I'm the dishonest guy and uh, you are asking the arbitrator because you uh, you never received my bitcoins at the end, then uh the arbitrator need to check out who is the who is the, the scammer, and when you find out I was the scammer then uh, the um, collateral, what I've paid in at the beginning, will go to the arbitrator. So I pay the arbitration fee.
0: Okay. So you right. don't lose anything.
2: I... You get then at the end like it, uh, all the money out, like it would have been a successful uh, trade, and I will lose uh, my my arbitration fee. As my, my collateral. Okay. The collateral is maybe... A, <laughs> um, I I step uh, jump over to this uh, to this concept of the collaterals because it's maybe a little bit it's not so clear why we need a collateral when we when we both do a trade when you want to buy one bitcoin you also have to pay in uh, a, a percentage of collateral something like ten percent. So for so for
0: every transaction both sides pays in. Yeah. Ten percent of the transaction to cover potential arbitration. Yeah.
2: Well, uh, yeah. One. Uh, one thing is to cover the potential arbitration fee, and the other thing is to prevent uh, to prevent scams. Uh, because when when you want to buy one bitcoin and you we would not use any collateral, then you could uh, accept my, my uh, I would accept your offer. I put in my bitcoin to this uh, uh, multisig uh, fund and then my Bitcoin is locked there and then you received it and then you decide now you stop you publish this, off, uh, this uh, transaction but you n- don't continue to pay the bank account you go on holiday and you just don't care anymore about it then I will lose at least a lot of time I have to wait until because it could be that you maybe need more time for the bank transfer or something and maybe I lose a week and then I ask the arbitrator and then then the, the question is, then I have to pay the arbitration fee because you have not paid anything in. And uh, that would be a, a pretty a, a big problem, I think, in, in reality, that people don't care much. And maybe they create an account, try it out, and it is, then they decide to not continue to not use it anymore. And the other guy has at least uh, lost uh, time and probably also lost uh, the arbitration fee. And to prevent this, um, I introduced this collateral. Also, collateral is meant as a kind of like a deposit, what you get back in in case of a successful trade. So you pay in uh, the 0, 0,1 Bitcoin extra, and at the end, you receive it out. At the end, when you buy one Bitcoin, you pay in first 0, 0,1, and at the end, you get out 1,1 1, 1, uh, Bitcoin, uh, which is then the sum of the trade volume plus your collateral. And I... Pay in one comma one Bitcoin and get back zero comma one. Uh, so I get back only my collateral because my trading volume, what I sold Bitcoin, will move over to your side. And and the and then
0: the trade was successful. So there's no yeah.
2: Uh, so nobody lost the collateral. The collateral will only be lost in case of arbitration. <clears throat> so if one of us uh, is a cheater, or maybe sometimes I think in reality. The most cases for arbitration will not be cheating or scamming because at the end they don't have much chances to suc- uh, succeed with the scam. <clears throat> I think most cases will be that the banks maybe need much more time, like normally uh, expected, or sometimes the bank transfer failed because yeah the bank uh, frozen mm-hmm. the money or something like that. I think that will be the real. Uh, the the most problems for arbitration cases and then it depends on the arbitrator the arbitrator when he sees there nobody has made any fault it was the fault of the bank so he will uh, share the, the fees that both traders paid a half of the fee or something like this that's up to the arbitrator and there will be policies how to treat different cases and the arbitrators when they're offering the service they make that Description: How they're doing the arbitrators, what's their policies and so on, so the traders can can choose what policy and what um, what arbitration methods and so on they they uh, they are uh, accepting.
0: I I see. So prior to prior to entering the trade, a uh, an agreement can be made on the rules of arbitration. Yeah. Uh, potentially before an arbitrator has even been.
2: Uh, being designated. Is, yeah. is that- it's a little bit more complicated. Uh, so to prevent uh, collusion and, and, and fraud with arbitration, uh, the selection of the arbitrators will be done from the system in a kind of random way. in Not the real random way, but in an uncontrol unswayable way for the users. So it works like that. When you are opening your account, you are... Uh, you have to select some arbitrators. There will be a minimum amount of arbitrators like you have to minimum select two or three arbitrators <clears throat> and and the other traders uh, also have a minimum amount of arbitrators and when you make your offers you uh, you define in your offer that you will accept any trade with one of those arbitrators and then the matching of the offers was i only when when you have selected arbitrator. A, B, and C, and I have selected arbitrator B, C, and D, for instance, and then I will only get the offers with the matching arbitrators. What I have, Also I will only get offers with arbitrators uh, B, C, or D, and then when your offer is arbitrator B and C's, we have two matching ones. So uh, between our trade, there will be a uh, between arbitrator B or C, and the the way how. Uh, the system choose b or c that's done in a way that we combine our uh, public keys, make an Xor and derive uh, the arbitrator selection from that so we cannot really the enter the, the message uh so there are different uh, public keys what you will not uh what you don't know in uh, before so it's a way that uh cheating that uh to create uh, to collude with one arbitrator, it's uh, becomes very very difficult. It's very difficult. Yeah. yeah. So so that is
0: essentially pseudo random. Yeah, it's kind of of random, and
2: it's but w- with some degree of uh, with some degree of
0: of user preference involved as
2: well. Yeah. Also, the important thing uh, or the different to random is that the other the other peer has to verify. Also, when we are. Uh, meeting to a a trade or when we are uh, arranging a trade both of us uh, will verify that the arbitrator selection is correct because both of us know our private keys and we can derive from a formula the selection and both need to find out that we have in this case uh, selected now arbitrator B and not C and so um, that's the important property uh, that it's verifiable for the other peer and it's not uh it's not controllable as so the solution, uh, the selection you cannot do anything to choose b or c it's automatically selected by two parts and you cannot control my private uh, my public key when we do uh because i accept your offer so you don't choose any guy who matched into one arbitrator so that's uh, yeah that's a system which should prevent good enough collusion. And also collusion will be in another way protected by the high deposit of the arbitrators. So there it will be very, very, uh, yeah, very...
0: The disincentive is no, there. It, I think
2: it, it should work. I mean, the arbitration system itself, it's a pretty complex part as well. And it's uh, it has its challenges and it's... Uh, it's difficult to really create it in a in a, in a safe way that that uh, they cannot become a central controlling entity but it's a little bit like with bitcoin i mean when you have more than 50% of the miners you have a problem and we have at the moment we are confronted with this problem so it's with the, when you when you have for instance as the arbitrators will be Partitioned in with languages because the language is important when we are both doing a trade and and uh, it's important that we can then talk with arbitrator in our language at, at least in a language what we understand when I'm doing a trade with a Chinese and we use a Chinese arbitrator I will be lost uh, it will be very difficult so there will be arbitration pools for every languages is there a way for uh, BitSquare to
0: interface with an actual bank to um to verify say so in the case where you know the bank transfer has gone through is there some way to actually prove that or is that are you relying on on the reporting of
2: the users that's a very important part also the way how the arbitrators are uh, controlling if yeah if we have made the trade and you have transferred the money and i say i never received the money how the arbitrator can find out that I'm uh, not lying and so on. Of course, I can send him a screenshot of my bank um, account history or something like that, but everybody knows with Photoshop you can (laughs) easily uh, fake this, so that's not safe at all. So there are basically uh, two solutions. One is a kind of a classical creative solution, which is not perfect, but will probably work in reality good enough and which is kind of easy for all participants. And then there is one uh, totally new solution, which is cryptographically proof, uh, um, a a, a cryptographically safe uh, proof of the bank transfer. That's developed from a few guys who are um, with whom I'm in contact, who are members in the IRC chat uh, on Freenode, what we have. And they developed a method how uh, the arbitrator can get a session, a a banking, uh, a a, a HTTP uh, session of uh, one page what you give him. So when you navigate to the history of your, or I navigate to the history of my bank account and Make then a kind of a snapshot from that, and I will give that to the arbitrator and the arbitrator has then a cryptographically secure proof that this is not tampered, that this is not uh, faked, and so on It's very complicated, and I cannot and will not explain it more in detail, <laughs> because it's really uh, top uh, super advanced crypto and uh, yeah, <clears throat> uh, technology, and it's completely new there they are still a little bit developing, but basically they have tested out and uh, at the moment they are kind of looking for reviews from other cryptographers and from people who, who, know, um, who know more about all this um, very advanced technologies. And that, that would be a really safe uh, way and uh, Bitsquare will use that optionally. So the arbitrators can say, okay, they will use this, this project called uh, TLS Notary because it's based on TLS, on on SSL, also on the HTTP sessions. And (coughs) it will just have one big problem, especially at the beginning, that people have to install a special software, which is kind doing some strange stuff with your banking uh, session and it needs some trust that this uh, software is not doing any harmful that you can trust that it's not viruses in that they're not stealing money from your bank accounts then so that will be a big problem in reality at the beginning to uh, to get this trust from the from the users that uh, people really will use this then and that will take its time. I think when it's really successful and a lot of people use it and it's getting normal and peop- and, and other um, <clears throat> trustful people in the community have confirmed that that's a secure and uh, safe way, then I think it will work. But that will take this, its time. So I cannot rely only on this solution. And then there is the classical solution. And that's <clears throat> that will never be 100% perfect. But... <clears throat> It will be good enough, I think. And um, one way could be like the arbitrator ask, also when I will, when you will ask the arbitrator, yeah, uh, you never received the Bitcoin and check out what's going on. Then the arbitrator will contact me to to check out my uh, balance on my bank account. And then he will ask me to navigate to this um, to this web page, to the to the history, and uh, to make uh, with my mobile with uh, a Skype video session. And I have uh, he, I have to show him with the Skype video uh, the bank account uh, and so on. So that's I mean to fake a Skype video that's nearly impossible. That's very very uh, that's so, to, uh, to, some too much way too advanced yeah. stuff. And he can he can. Uh, i could theoretically uh, prepare a video but then he can ask me okay navigate now or now open open another browser and do it again there uh, so i could not I could never prepare such a video and of course it uh, he could uh he could fake uh, the https he can make a local proxy and some because so it's not 100 percent secure but the effort to do this is pretty high and it's only for people who are technically pretty advanced. And these people, when they are scammers, they they have much better ways to earn money. And because um, one uh, important thing in the, in the exchange is that there will be, a, especially at the beginning, a limit of the trading volume. Maybe at the beginning it will be one Bitcoin, later maybe two or five Bitcoins, but it will never be very high. So you cannot make a trade with 20 Bitcoins or something. So a, a scammer uh, can only win one time, The money, or so, and because when he would, uh, when when he could cheat an arbitrator, when I could do something like that to uh, fake the banking session and show him that I never received the money, reality I have received it, and then the arbitrator believes me, and uh, and decide in my favor. Then And I would repeat, I mean, the investment for this advanced technology that I set up, all this stuff, it's pretty much work. And uh, it doesn't make sense to just earn one time, one Bitcoin or so. It uh, will only make sense when I can repeat it 10, 20, 50 times. But then when I do uh, do it repeated, then the arbitrators, there will be some way like they exchange their... Uh, uh, or they will report in, a, in an anonymous way uh, the arbitration cases. So at the end, uh, something like our, our, our account ID will be stored somewhere. And the arbitrators, when they get a new arbitration case, they can look up and can see, okay, this one trader has already had 20 arbitration cases. So it's very suspicious that one guy always has problems. So it, at the end, I it, think it, uh, in practice, uh, it will not succeed it will not uh, make sense for a scammer to uh, to make this effort to earn very small money and he probably cannot repeat it uh, often because after two or three times the arbitrators will say okay now this guy is pr- is very suspicious and maybe the arbitrators also find i have not researched much yet in the way how ar- how classical arbitrators are working what kind i mean they could also ask for a statement from the bank for instance some banks may might uh, give uh, signed statements about um, the the bank uh, balance or the history, but uh, that takes more time and so on. And basically, with the exchange project, I try to not introduce any entities from the real life, like banks, or to be dependent on some um, yeah some external entities beside the arbitrators. So I think it. <laughs> I think it's a practical solution. It's not uh, perfect security, and, and basically the whole exchange it cannot deliver perfect security. There can be scams, and there will be scams. But uh, the only thing what we what I can do is to to limit it, to limit uh, the the possible loss, and to limit the uh, the possibility to repeat it and to become a black. Um, there are. Basically, there are two, um, two parts which really cannot be prevented and not protected by the arbitrators, and that's uh, the bank chargeback and the stolen bank account case. And basically, the exchange use only bank uh, transfer types, which are known as non-chargeback uh, able. Uh, like PayPal for for instance it's known that it's very easy to make a chargeback so PayPal will not be supported and normal uh, wire transfer or sepa transfer they are pretty hard to make a, a chargeback but at the end all bank accounts even even if your bank say no they can they, they will never do it every every uh, bank transfer is chargeback able and that's happens especially in the case of a stolen bank account uh, and then the problems are even harder because then, when I receive money from a stolen bank account, I could get problems from the police that they will suspect me that I was involved with the crime or something, and I, I have to to deliver uh, some informations that I prove that I was not involved, and so that's uh, even harder uh, problem. <laughs> and
0: uh, yeah,
2: with the stolen bank accounts, <clears throat> uh, the the main protection against this is also the, the limit of the trades because a guy who has uh, a stolen bank account it only makes sense when there's really a lot of money because it's a certain risk for him to deal with this and when he wants to cash out this account he wants to cash it out with one transaction not with 10 transactions because every time when he use it he runs the risk that it get. uh uh, uh, discovered and that it, yeah and then it's closed and he when there are ten thousand euro on the bank account and he can only cash out one thousand euro it's probably not worth the risk what he is taking to get this bank account and when the trade limit is something like one or two bitcoin it's yeah it's one thousand euro it's not so much money to attract the big the big scammers the the, the hackers who are really capable of, of ugly stuff. Uh,
0: that's a, that's probably the most foolproof uh uh security against uh scamming is simply to limit the possible reward so that it it's just not high enough uh it's there's just not enough reward there for the amount of expertise and effort required to actually reap it.
2: Yeah, and especially in the beginning. In the beginning, of course, the exchange is an experiment and there might be some security leaks, some bugs or something like this. So in the beginning, the limit will be pretty low, maybe even less than one Bitcoin. And then uh, the, we can, with every version, we can uh, deliver different rules and uh, the best would be when the rules are kind of uh, automatically detected from the from the situation like the arbitration cases when there are a lot of arbitration cases then the um, yeah the limit the trading limit will go down and the fees might go up or something like that or the collaterals might go up and so on and when there are nearly no arbitration cases, or just other which are not related to scams, which are related to problems with the bank transfers or something like that, then we could uh, we could weaken the limits and uh, the protections. But um, yeah, that that we'll see how how it works out in reality. And I was uh, once in contact with a guy from who was involved in some Russian exchange, a Bitcoin exchange. And he told me, when you do such a project, you, you think of a lot of problems which in reality will never be a real problem. And then in reality, there will come new situations and problems what you never thought of. And I think that's important thing to keep everything pretty flexible. Because for sure, there will be some surprises when it really will uh, run in, in reality. There will be new problems what I've never thought of and was thinking, oh, come on. Uh, uh, yeah why that (laughs) (laughs) and then the system need to be flexible to react quickly to that and I think it's not uh, possible and it does not make sense to make to make super super effort in every small detail to make everything super super perfect secure I mean it's also not possible but it's also a question of the effort I mean when I work three years on the exchange nobody yeah in three years uh, we have probably many other uh, solution, I don't know. I will bring out the exchange in at least something like half a year or something like that. So,
0: Speaking of, this sounds really relevant to Open Bazaar.
2: Yeah, that's uh, I think the most interesting project in, in the same direction. I mean, they have an even higher challenge. They want to make a peer-to-peer marketplace which is uh, harder. I mean, in my concept, I always have had in mind when it, one day when it really will work, there are two other <clears throat> Uh, extensions. One is a crypto-to-crypto exchange that would be in some parts easier because uh, you don't have uh, distrust problems, you don't need arbitration, you can really make everything uh, in a trustless way. There are some concepts for this cross-chain cross, uh, cross uh, chain, uh, uh, blockchain uh, transactions but the main problem with uh, crypto-to-crypto exchange is that we don't have one or two alternatives. We have already millions, no, millions, but thousands. So, well, at least uh, uh, 20, 30, what you need to support when you really make a crypto-to-crypto exchange with just an Incoin and Litecoin. Yeah, you need to support a lot. <laughs> and yeah. and, the other, and and also, I was much more interested in the fiat part because that's the real problem. I mean, to exchange between crypto yeah, that's not the more, the, not the real important thing. What's missing in 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 the Bitcoin space, in my opinion, and then the other extension would be a peer-to-peer marketplace, and then that, that's of course uh, it's it's pretty much it's much more complex because um, the the good thing on a on a fiat Bitcoin exchange is that you have a binary solution at this uh, at the end. The money arrived or not arrived. There is nothing in between you. It's not that you can say, okay, I arrived the money, but I didn't like the way how I, it arrived. I mean, even, yeah, it doesn't make sense. I mean, only the time when it needs much time, okay, you can be insatisfied or something like that. But that uh, there will be a, straight, a strict limit that, uh, for instance, an international bank transfer must not need more than. 14 days or something like that and a national bank transfer not more than 7 days or something like that and then you have also a binary decision does uh, the solution met this requirement or not so you don't need a reputation you don't need to, to uh, rate the other peer if he uh, uh, yeah, is a good trader or not in a, in a marketplace, of course, when you are buying some stuff and they, there is some description and so on, there are a lot of properties. Maybe you received the product, but the product does not fulfill the dis, uh, your expectations from the descriptions, maybe the delivery time. With the, the transfer, with the mail transfer was very bad in a way, or something like this. So maybe the, uh, the the communication when you have questions was very bad, or something like this. So like with eBay, you need a reputation system where you can rate the other guys. And reputation system is a pretty. I don't know if OpenBazaar has already found a solution, but as far as I have looked in that area, I didn't found a a clear solution. It's a very difficult.
0: Yeah, I had a look on their forums recently, and they there was a lot of discussion going on. But I don't think uh, I don't think it's it's been said that that's the hardest. Yeah, reputation is the hardest problem that maybe yeah that we're facing. Yeah,
2: maybe I think it's it's. Uh, I also because you always have this problem with the civil attacks, and you have the own, the other problem with the long con. one can build up a good reputation and then can make a big scam, and you never can protect against this. I think you have to take. Reputation as a weak measurement, which will help, but you cannot rely on the reputation alone, so you always need also something like an arbitration system and so on and yeah it's a it's a very interesting project i unfortunately, i don't have time at the moment to follow it so closely. I follow it a little bit, <laughs> but I try to focus on development because yeah in Bitcoin, there is going on so much interesting stuff, so I could read the whole day just uh, interesting news and get lost in that so i try to focus now on the project and take uh <clears throat> take in account that i lose a lot of interesting other information <laughs> but uh, a, in, a good podcast like like yours help to focus on the on the more interesting stuff
0: oh well, uh, i'm glad uh, i'm glad you find it useful <laughs> sure, yeah <laughs> it's uh, it's great for me this is ama- i mean i get to talk to pretty much anyone i want to talk to you know it's awesome
2: yeah, and it's great to have a podcast which is more focused on developers' uh, point of view because that's, I mean, there are maybe others as well. I'm not so super informed, but that's a, a, a interesting uh, niche maybe because, yeah, my opinion, <clears throat> generally in Bitcoin, it happened. For me, it seems a little bit it's developing a big bu- bubble. People enter into Bitcoin land without any clue, with totally wrong assumption, for instance, about the anonymity uh, properties, about yeah, about the basic concepts and so on. They just enter because they think it's the next Facebook, it's the next PayPal, it's the next possibility to earn a lot of money. <laughs> and I think that will create a lot of distortion and uh, probably problems. And for me, like with the altcoins, there are, we have so many altcoins and so many altcoins are just made. I mean, some are very, I respect them a lot and they're added a lot of value and but some are just made to make the 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 issuer rich and and scams and uh, a lot of the altcoins will not work in reality they would when they get a serious attack, they would get killed easily and fast and Now I mean we have so many projects which are funding or which are issuing millions of dollars with with technology and with concept behind which are totally weak and and flawed and it's for me a totally irresponsible uh Part, uh, what's going on in, in Bitcoin at the moment? Uh, not so much in Bitcoin, and more around Bitcoin with all these altcoins and this mm-hmm. sp- strange project, which doing a lot of marketing and uh, and not much more. <laughs> so I'm a little bit. I, I expect that the next the next year we might see kind of a, a pretty negative uh, effect for Bitcoin at the end, because in the mainstream media it will be a big yeah. Then Bitcoin will will suffer a lot from from all this kind of irresponsibility, what happens around to the reputation of Bitcoin and cryptocurrency in general. And for me it's really a, a, a pity because there are really new interesting fund, funding opportunities now with Bitcoin to create a new uh, currency for, for funding, like with Ethereum. I think that's perfectly fine. I'm a big fan of Ethereum. And <clears throat> To have really a, a necessary a necessity uh, to to for a new currency for a new coin in your project, and use that for funding with a pre-sale, I think that's perfectly okay, like Ethereum is doing it. And I was also thinking of this possibility, and some people recommended me to do it for my project to use uh, own currency and make funding with that. But I have no, I have not found any <clears throat> any reason uh, reason why. Um, why I should use a currency. In my, I don't need a, a currency in my in my system. I mean the fee payment works with Bitcoin. I don't need an extra currency for that. And just to make a cur- an app coin, a, a special currency for the application for funding is for me not uh, enough. I mean that I don't respect. I don't
0: 100% agree with you, but I see exactly where you're. Uh, I see exactly where you're coming from.
2: I mean, there are, It's also very good to have alternatives to Bitcoin, to have real alternatives. That's still missing because there is no altcoin with some uh, comparable value like Bitcoin. But, like, yeah, to have a protection when Bitcoin becomes the government coin and the developers, the core developers introducing really ugly stuff or something like that, that uh, the people can move over to, to another coin. Like I mean, we have Litecoin, and uh, I, I'm a big fan of Namecoin. For instance, that really introduced a completely new property what Bitcoin don't have, to uh, yeah, to have a possibility to store, a, a, like yeah, like a distributed uh, domain name system. That's a super, a super concept, and that has a, a huge um, value. And especially Ethereum, that's for me the star of, of all this project. But of course, it's also very risky; it might fail. But it's worth the risk, and uh, Vitalik Buterin, I think, is a really very, very interesting guy, and I trust him that he he will, might, I hope he might succeed. (laughs) Well,
0: this has been a really great chat, man, Fred. I mean, I I could go on forever, but I mean, I've got to get up in the morning, so. um, yeah. Yeah, sure. So, how about we call it at that? Call it a night and i'll um I hope I get to get in touch with you in a little while to see how things have come along and um just chat a bit more about whatever's going around. Yeah,
2: thanks a lot, and I hope uh maybe this podcast helps to find new developers. I mean that would be really the the stuff that I need most at the moment i uh yeah to work alone on on such a big complex project is kind of difficult and uh, that I would really appreciate. Um, if if some some experienced developers, yeah, to just say the last word about it, it's based as I use Java Java eight and Java FX for the for the GUI. Uh, I see it a little bit more from a practical point of view, and it's uh, pretty good technology for developing. Yeah, yeah, and it's easy to deploy, and it has a lot of advantages. It's very mature. Uh, yeah, thanks a lot for your invi- for the invitation for. For this show and for an interesting chat.
0: Yeah, it has. Uh, and so, bitSquare.io.
2: Yeah, on, Bit, on the web page bitSquare.io, you find all the other links to the to the white paper, to the graphic logo, view, to a video from the prototype, and so on. Yeah.
0: All right. Fantastic. Well, it's been great, Manfred, and I'll
2: uh, I'll chat to you later. Okay. Hey, thanks a lot, and thanks. have a good night. <laughs>
0: That's it for this week, folks. Thanks to Alex and Manfred for the content, the Beyond Bitcoin community for the support, and CSIS for the music. Pertinent websites can be found in the notes. For those interested, we have developer hangouts hosted every Saturday morning US time on our Mumble server. Setup instructions can be found on beyondbitcoin.fm.